From the red and black, this is the front page. Today is Monday, February 8th, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss the squeeze on Wall Street short sellers and the UGA community's reaction. And joining me now is Enterprise reporter Emily Garcia and breaking news reporter Sydney Dangerman to talk more about their reporting on the Wolf of Broad Street story. Emily, Sydney, thanks so much for hopping on the show with me today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So let's take this story back to January 11th. The spark for GameStop's rally was first triggered when news broke that Chewy co-founder and former CEO Ryan Cohan is joining GameStop's board. When Mr. Cohan got a board seat, a crowd of amateur stock investors on Reddit believed in him and began buying shares in waves. Here are Sydney and Emily to explain the basics. Well, Redditors had a variety of reasons for wanting to give short sellers a squeeze. For some Redditors, GameStop is a place that holds sentimental value. I've seen a couple posts in the forum using GameStop's slogan, actually, um, power to the players, to talk about what's happening on Wall Street. But a large group of other users, you know, simply want to squeeze short sellers to, to stick it to the wealthy Wall Street bigwigs. So what does all of this mean? Um, Well, when you short sell a company, you borrow the stock or buy stock that you must then return. So say the stock is presently worth $10, but you think that before you have to return it, the stock will decrease in value to only $5. When you go to return that stock to the person you borrowed it from, they have to pay you the original value of the stock. So they pay you $10 for something that is now worth $5 and you get to pocket the $5 difference. But with the GameStop stock, the short sellers got a rude awakening. When the value of the stock went up instead of down, those they borrowed from still paid the original value of the stock and the hedge funds took a loss. So instead of pocketing an extra $5, they were out an additional $50 and that's the squeeze. Members of this subreddit used a lot of apps that you can find in the app store such as Robinhood, uh, Webull, there's a couple others. And these are basically, you know, free micro-investment platforms. So you can purchase shares in companies like GameStop, as well as other shares that were involved in the short selling, such as AMC, BlackBerry, Nokia. The people on these apps are called retail investors. That just means that they're not professional investors like those who work for hedge funds like Melvin Capital. Most of the time, retail investors, like the members of the subreddit, are at a significant disadvantage on the market. But not this time. (laughs) The retail investors used their collective bargaining power to dramatically shift the market. This method of influence wouldn't have even been possible 15 years ago. Joining me now is Chris Lim, a junior in management information systems major and one of many UGA students that invested in GameStop stock. Why did you decide to invest in GameStop stock, Chris? So honestly, I've been investing, you know, over a year now. And when you see something like GameStop, I was actually part of like the Wall Street Bets thing before GameStop was even a thing. It was like at like 2 million subscribers. So I was already part of that, you know, and it's helped me out, make some money before. And then GameStop, GameStop, GameStop started becoming a thing, right? And I kept seeing it, I kept seeing it, I kept seeing it. And I was like, you know what? Like, let me try this out, right? Let me try to make a buck off of it. So I started buying shares. I started buying 
option contracts and I was making a lot of money. I was making thousands of dollars, right? And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even GameStop, but it's like all these other meme stocks too. That was like Blackberry, Nokia, AMC. I'm, I'm making money now, right? And I'm like, yes, this is it. Power to the people, power to retail investors, sticking it to the big man, the little guys winning, David versus Goliath. We're finally decentralizing the power. At first it was like making a buck, but then as it grew on, it was more like, hey, we're kind of like sticking it to the man. We're sending a message to establishment. This is going to be history. Not even just me, but like everyone on that forum was a giant communal thing where everyone would get on at night and everyone would talk and everyone's like, yes, we can do this. We can bankrupt those hedge funds that are not helping the American economy because they're not. And if you look at Melvin Capital, their second holding is actually a Chinese company. No, their money is not going back to the American people. Honestly, this is what's going back to the American people. The reason why I wanted to buy was to, to make a quick profit. And then there was like a message behind it. And I wanted to get behind that too. And the community behind it as well at UGA. So it was something that became more than just money in my opinion. Describe the UGA student body reaction to GameStop stocks frenzy and your financial, the Wolf of Broad Street 2.0 group me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know when I joined, but it was at 200 members. And now I'm looking at it right now. It's at 713 members. And these are just like all UGA students talking when it was at the GameStop frenzy, it was just all GameStop, all meme stocks like uh, AMC, you know, Blackberry, Nokia, and everyone's just cracking jokes, sending memes, sending different rhetoric and discourse around how Wall Street bets were. It was just like a UJ version of it. And it's so funny because these guys in this group chat are in my classes. And it's so funny because I see them in my finance 3000 group me and I see them in my marketing group me. I'm like, hey, that's the guy from my stocks group chat. But the sentiment was like, yeah, everyone, we need to do this. The, the mentality, the rhetoric was, the morale was so high. Like everyone was like, buy it, buy it, buy it. Let's go. Let's everyone buy it. Hold your shares. We're going to destroy this hedge fund. And there would be like that one kid that's like, I've been trading stocks since I was five years old. And uh, this is so stupid. And we're like, we don't care what you think. At the end of the day, all this stuff was like fundamentally not logical. And we knew that, and we knew that it was a joke, but like also like a real thing that's turned into a real thing. It became this kind of community where we're like talking about just these stocks, you know, supporting each other, liking each other's comments. And we're talking about where it's going to go, our predictions. And honestly, I had a blast engaging with, you know, other kids. Like I thought it was awesome. What were all your Terry College professors telling you in the classroom? That is so funny. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, they talked about it and they were like, don't do it because they're all, you know, old guys and they're long-term investors and they're like, it's going to drop. If you're going to do it, I advise you to get in and get out. Yeah, we all knew that. You know, you weren't telling us new information. We knew that this wasn't legit stock. This wasn't a long-term investment. It was GameStop. Come on, you know? They were telling us logical stuff. They were telling us fundamentals and they were right. Yeah, but that's what like our professor said, like they were pretty funny about it. So Sydney and Emily, how did this rush to buy stock affect hedge funds and retail investors like those in the UGA community? Hedge funds 
got a swift kick to the groin. Melvin Capital, for example, had to close out and borrow money from other hedge funds to keep from folding altogether. The retail investors, however, were a bit of a mixed bag. Much of it goes back to the reasoning behind their entrance into the game that determined whether or not they decided to sell while the price continued to increase. Those whose primary goal was to eat the rich and stick it to Wall Street hung on with the aim of taking the stocks to the moon or to their predicted peak. So after Robinhood announced they were restricting transactions on GameStop, what was your initial reaction? I'm pretty sure it was on a Thursday and it was at its all-time high. GameStop was at $400. I'm up like, I believe $7,000 that day. I come from a very poor background. I've never had this money in my life. I've been poor. My family, like refugee family, I was raised on food stamps. So this was the most money I've ever had in my life. Seeing that, I was like, yo, that's crazy. And the group meets going crazy. And we're like, we're going to the moon. And then all of a sudden, Robinhood stops us from buying the stock. And the implications of that is the stock price was going to go down and I'm going to lose a lot of money, which I did that day. And it was really upsetting. The number one thing like management CEOs have to do is have a moral compass. And I don't think it was right. They knew exactly what was going to happen. And at the end of the day, Wall Street and these hedge funds they got to get covered from what they do. And it was upsetting because the schoolyard bully has been bullying you all these years. Finally, we find a way to like beat him at his game. And he's like, nope, we're gonna, we're gonna try this again. I'm gonna change the rules. And it's like, dude, we were playing by your rules and you're gonna change it again? What? You complain about regulation and then you're gonna regulate what retail investors? When like poor people start making money, it's a problem. Now we're gonna have like a congressional hearing about it. But it was upsetting to see the little guy win for once. I guess the saying is the house always wins. I thought it was gonna be this historic moment in our market's history where finally the common people get the power. Did you decide to sell your stock as soon as things started heading south, or did you try and hold on to it? I actually didn't sell my stock when it immediately turned south. On Thursday, I remember I was like, I should sell it right now because the news are out. They're going to cut everything. Okay, it's on the news. Like, they're going to stop it. The true logical stock, Chris, he should have sold, right? I held on. I did. I did. I didn't know that they were going to limit it as it happened. I didn't know what the news was, but I didn't think it was gonna happen that day. And I didn't think they were gonna limit us from buying what, 60 shares or something like that. I didn't know that was gonna happen. And that's why I kind of held. So I got played cause I'm dumb and I thought morals were a thing in the stock market, but they're not. And I still held till Monday and I held, I didn't sell on Friday cause I was like, okay, the restrictions are gonna be lifted and there's gonna be so much of an uproar from everyone. Everyone's gonna rally behind this. So it shot down, but it went back up on Monday. But since they still held those restrictions, it's trickled down slowly and slowly and slowly. I believe I sold like at three o'clock on Monday at market close and they won. And that's something we have to take as a lesson. But yeah, I, I sold, I believe two days later. And lastly, Chris, do you think this was the first glimpse into the future of a transfer of power from the big guys to the small retail investors? Yes, I was actually going to talk about that. That's awesome. what I believe. Like, um, I was talking to a friend and he was like, yep, this is, it's going to change. This is it. This is the pivot, right? I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. 
And uh, yeah, I believe so. Of course, they're not going to want this to happen. So it makes sense, right? I'm not surprised is what I'm trying to say. But I think with um, disruptive technology like Robinhood, this is first of its kind because different brokerage trading apps, you know, there were commissions. This one's commission free. And they were always ugly to look at. But Robinhood is friendly to the everyday man. It looks good. It's easy to use. And that's what they kind of branded themselves on, helping the little guy, helping the everyday average Joe. And I think with the more disruptive technology like this, a more push towards decentralization, that in itself with, I guess, a innovative push for technology is really helping us give back to different class brackets, right? We're now spreading the wealth. And we're giving equity and opportunity and accessibility with technology that's happening. As we learn more and more, and as we grow more and more, we can see that disparity from each tax bracket. And we can see, I would say, how unfair it is. And we are going to find ways to be innovative. If they have this system, we'll exploit it until we make a new one. I do believe that in the coming future, we're going to see more of a redistribution of wealth. And I'm really excited for that. Okay, so what's next, Sydney and Emily? What can we expect to come from this Reddit-led squeeze of Wall Street? Well, Sarah, the general attitude of retail investors has shifted, and there's, there's just this greater sense of empowerment. And not just in the face of Wall Street, but with platforms like Robinhood as well. So a lot of Robinhood users were very, very vocal about their frustration with the platform, and they filed complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which has signaled that it will be investigating Robinhood. And, you know, we also mentioned in our story that a class action lawsuit was filed against Robinhood on the 28th, I believe. And actually, you know, several more have been filed since then. Emily, Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk to me about your story. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. And Chris, thank you for sharing your experience. Of course, anytime. And, you know, it was a, it was a blast. And that was The Front Page. The Front Page is a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company. This episode was produced by Sarah Detweiler. The front page is sponsored by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in next time.